Austin Matthews ended his longest goal scoring streak drought of the season five games in fine fashion notching 59 and yes Sammy 60 in another historic night for 34 I'm Nick Kiprios Justin Bourne Derek Brandeo Jennifer Rolnick and yes Super fan Sammy McKee gets his cherry on top yeah. of the regular season. I I don't cheer a whole lot anymore when I watch sporting events. Maybe just Jays because they're the most electric team on earth at the moment. But I actually gave out like a high school like Leaf fan cheer when he scored. When he scored <laughs> Can we hear it? Uh, Can we hear it? Uh, yeah, F yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god, that is so embarrassing. I hope you were alone. I wasn't. Well, I was. Uh, I was with Allison or whatever. But I. And she's felt, still with you. Yeah, it felt really, really good to see that puck go in the net. I think it did for for Dubis and Keith too. You saw their celebrations. Keith gave their, like, yes, their he Dubis doesn't have to the... play in a meaningless game against a team we might play in the yeah. playoffs on Friday. Like I just, right. it just you got the home ice, you got the sixty. It's just a beautiful thing. Beautiful accomplishment. Thing. It is. Uh, Something that no one can ever take away from him. The 21st yeah. player in NHL history to notch 60 goals and the first American in NHL history to notch 60. Is that right? I don't know. I, I think I read it somewhere. <laughs> Sammy, can you not, verify that for hey, me? I'm not sure that's true, but I'll look it up. Brett Hall was can, born in Belleville, yeah. right? So. Yeah, I'm talking born born yeah. and raised in, uh, in the U.S. Have you ever seen Austin Matthews have more time to handle a puck down the middle of the rink, dust it off, set his feet, and shoot a hockey puck than that? I mean, that was the most... I just never seen him have that kind of time and space. Well, you're playing against one of the worst teams in the league. That was a, let me just say, piss-poor showing by Detroit. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> so so like, useless. One of my like, good buddies at Red Wings. Travel agent but... on line one after 20 minutes, maybe. Boys are or, in Barbados or, or something. I mean. Not trying to get hurt before golf season. I have one of my good buddies as a Red Wings fan. And I was like, holy crap, man. You watch this? He's like, oh, we're missing. We're missing Larkin. Or we're missing. Oh, I'm like, buddy, just give it up. You suck. Like, I don't think you need to be watching. Anyways. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's start off uh, Kipper's Clippers in fine fashion here. With the man himself, Austin Matthews, on getting goal number 60. Love it. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty special, honestly. Uh, just the uh, you know, reception from my teammates, the crowd, I mean, everything. It just, uh, you know, it just kind of sends chills down your bones. Um, but, yeah, just uh, you know, kind of hard to put into words, you know? Yeah, you you said something he'll never forget. That's that's it, right? It's, uh, you know, even and if I, he never wins anything, it'll be Dennis Marouk and can sign hats. I I, I get all of it, and I don't blame him one bit about uh, the attitude towards mm -hmm. uh, getting 60. And we heard him say, for the most part, all the right things before and after in, in the last week, and especially with Sean McKenzie during an interview where he said, it's not the end of the world. Right. But I told the boys, I'm, I'm shooting. I'm shooting it. I love that. I, and, you know, it's, it does go to show. See, I, I, got a, I got two sides of it, right? Yeah. And that is that it just emphasizes what last night's game was all about. And that was 
Austin getting 60. And Jack stopping the puck. Uh, sure. That was the whole thing. And I think it should have been about Austin Matthews getting 60 in a team. You're playing one of the worst teams in the league, and he's two away versus a not very good goalie. I think that's kind of what it should be about. I like, mean, along which, the which way, is, they got home ice advantage yes, in the postseason. That, that, that happened. That, that works. Which is fine as long as between now and what we think could be game one, that you can flip the switch and get everybody back on mm-hmm. a, a page that says we got to be at the top of our game. I didn't particularly like Austin's game in the last week. No? No. Yeah. No, no it I, was probably... and for, for good reason. Mm-hmm. It was geared towards 60. It was geared towards his attitude where I'm shooting it. Mm-hmm. And you... Detroit knew it. I, they did a piss poor job, but they still knew it. Yeah, uh, Florida knew it. I mean, there, there was there was a scenario where this isn't this isn't about our, our shaping up our team game. This is about getting a guy to shoot as many pucks as he can until he gets sixty. I think most coaches would say if my guy can toggle to a mindset where he scores twice, uh, great. You know, don't really care what else happens. So I I think they're pretty okay with so, the way things. And they'll talk about the way they're going into the playoffs. I think just to talk about how all these teams are going in, I I think the, the Lightning have been winning a lot, obviously, and they're getting hot. But it's not like there's one team that's had to be fighting for their lives that finds a way in, and they've been playing playoff hockey all the yeah. way down the stretch. Like, everybody's kind of known for a long time. And I think they're going to have lots of practice time here up until the playoffs start. Like, I think it's easier to kind of flip the switch because uh, you're not playing against another team that's been fighting for their lives like Tampa was when Columbus got them or something right. like that. we got a terrific show coming up. Uh, we're so glad everybody's on board here live on our Sportsnet uh, YouTube channel, uh, wherever you're downloading us on on, on uh, the various podcast platforms. We're, we're so happy that you're aboard. We've also got Gord Stella coming up in about 15 minutes. Adam Oates. In about uh, 40 minutes, we'll stop by. And uh, if there's anyone that uh, knows something about 60 goal scores, it's him. He experienced it twice in his career with the likes of Brett Hull mm-hmm. and Steve Eiserman in Detroit. In the second hour, Sean Reynolds will come by and he'll t- kind of put a bow on uh, the Winnipeg Jets season and what we can uh, anticipate from here on in out west. And Sammy, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we're are we teeing up Leaf tickets this week? Yeah, that's for game one. Yeah, we're not giving them away yet today. Not but, yet, but but yeah. But just know that we will be, and uh, to tune in, I think Friday, right? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. So you can watch Steven Stamkos' hat trick in game one. Oh, don't say don't that. Easy, good, easy. Good vibes only today. Easy. Uh, let's let's get back to Austin Matthews before you run away with that thought. <laughs> you know what might be much. a good way to get back into Matthews is you mentioned Adam Oates is coming on with us. Great passer. A guy who set up Hull and uh, who's the other one? Iserman. A kajillion times each. Uh, Matthews had some nice things to say about Mitch Marner. Uh, you know, you don't get to 60 without playing with some good teammates. Why don't we go there next and listen to Matthews on Marner? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, all this doesn't really happen without him. I think, um, you know, he's been such a big part um, of our team's success. And then, you know, individually for myself, I think um, we've just kind of grow, grown together as individuals and as players and leaders on this team. And, um, you know, he's a big reason why, um, you know, the success that we've had this year. So, um you know, I owe him a couple. Uh, I owe him a couple. He gave me a couple nice passes tonight. But um, you know, like I said, he's uh, he's been huge for us all year. He's been uh, unbelievable, especially when he came back from injury. He's just been driving this team.
Well, and there's no question he knows that after uh, various disappointments that no two guys will carry more weight going into game one. Together. With him and Mitch. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it was a thing all year where people like myself kept saying, give Tavares Marner, give Tavares Marner. But these two didn't want it to happen, but, right? Like, yeah. There's no way Matthews gets to 60 without Marner, like he said in his clip. Like, yeah. there's a lot. I wonder, I maybe probably could have looked this up before the show, but how many assists he had directly on Matthews' goals. It probably feels like it was 25, 30 times that he was right there getting it. So I, I like, it's really nice for him to take the time to say that in the post game because he's really important, obviously. Yeah. And it just feels like, for obvious reasons, everything's been geared, the attention, uh, the ice time. I think he double-shifted a couple times. The extended uh, power play time that Austin hung around. I thought the power play was a little awkward because they were, like, just looking for, for him at times, right? And it was like, all right, you know. But the the last one when he got it, they yeah. were kind of firing it from all over the place, and they weren't necessarily really passing it to him a whole lot. It was almost like they were over like double thinking it being like hey we we are thinking about matthews but we don't want to make it look like we're trying to pass to matthews all the time <laughs> yeah. so let's get a couple yeah. shots mission not accomplished no i on know that. but they kind of i don't know it's a nice yeah. goal anyway and then the, the other the other question mark and not to get too off topic but you we we brought in marner in the conversation is here's a guy that's going uh for 100 points on friday and will it get the attention or the love from either your coach or your other players to really focus in and help Mitch hit 100 like you just helped Austin get 60. I don't see that happening here. No, I think it's the game before playoffs here. He's three points away, not one. I, you know, I, 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 did th- I do think that Keith said today, though, that they will take it into consideration about, about how their lineup looks on Friday, right? Yeah, we got the clip on here. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it does, and it will. Um, you know, at the same time, much like I felt with Austin yesterday, I mean, I was happy for him to 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 get that and have that moment. Yet, in my mind, he's already he's already a sixty goal scorer. You know, um, again, because you round up and especially when you factor in the games that he's missed and the pace that he's on. And, and I, I feel the same about Mitch. I mean, you know, he's already a 100-point guy to me. That's how you sort of describe players. You're either a point-of-game guy or you're a 100-point guy. You don't really talk about what comes in between. And Mitch is right there. He's had an unbelievable season uh, for us. And it's a huge part of everything that we've done and accomplished in the regular season here as a team. And, and he shares in, you know, the individual accomplishments such as what Austin had uh, last night here with 60 goals. So, what, what is what, what's the roundabout uh, record for 60 goals for players? Um, I mean, what do you mean? I mean, if all, all the players that got 58, who got credited for 60 in the NHL? Yeah. <laughs> the I'm roundup. What is, yeah. Do the NHL record books have roundup uh, yeah, I don't think so. records? I think, I think the point is the point per game pace because both <laughs> these guys miss what eight and ten games or something yeah. like that. So he's saying they're. Yeah. You know, if they play a couple Doesn't more games. Doesn't really get acknowledged in any record books or uh, no. history books. No. No, no. There's no point per game history books, is there? Let me ask you this, guys. Hearing that clip. Yeah. Kind of sounds like Marner might not play. Y- yeah. You know what? It, it sounds like Sheldon's blowing smoke. That's yeah. what it sounds like. Agree. He wants to say the right things. If, in fact, it gets back to Mitch or Mitch hears it himself, it's nice to hear that you're giving me 
Uh, Rick, you're giving me some love on not blowing off 100 points, but I kind of questioned the last two games of the season. Do you want another game where you ask Marner or Matthews to play 20 minutes? You want them coming close to 20 minutes on Friday? No, I want neither of them in. I don't want it. Last night they were 20 minutes because you're chasing 60. Do you want to do it one more time for for Marner to to get to 100? And he needs three points, like you said? I I think it's important. 100 points is a big deal. Like, I'm sorry. It's not as big a deal as 60. Lots more guys get 100 points and 60 goals. But 100 points is still important, for, especially for a guy like Marner who's never gotten there before. I, I do think it's important. But what you have to weigh is, is it more important than sitting on your butt and making sure you're healthy for a massive playoff series starting on Monday? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's not a tough even balance. Close. Not even close. I know it's not. I know. I know. You're, ta- you're trying to talk yourself into something that can uh, help Matt, uh, Marner get to 100. So you don't want to play him, Kip? Uh, again... Marner's a little different for me because uh, I don't worry about him as much as I would other. There, 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 there'd be a list of guys I would sit out before Mitch Marner mm-hmm. uh, because I want them to to load up for game one. I don't necessarily worry about Mitch Marner, but I mean, if you want to pull him out just from the mere fact that uh, something crazy could happen, he could get hurt. I'll buy that. I'll buy it. But there's other players. I'd rather consider yeah. sitting out. I do think they probably take into consideration how last year's playoffs went when a lot of people said their guys just played too much. I think I wrote an article that Matthews and Marner played too much in round one last year. And they were playing 25, 26, 27 minutes there a was night. overtime. Yeah, and that, a, that did have a factor. One or two over 30 minutes. Yeah, so that, that did drive up their numbers, but they just... You know, they, they seem gassed by the end, right? I mean, I, I think that was kind of the consensus. That I, I wonder if that won't play into the decision... I don't know. And I think the opponent has to factor in the decision as well in terms of it's not a a team out of the playoffs. This is a team that potentially down the road, if you get a win, a series or two, Mm -hmm. you could see in the playoffs. And, I mean, Brad Marchand is employed by them. Charlie McAvoy is a, you know what? Like, they got guys out there on that team that will do not the smartest things. So I think that has to be taken into consideration as well. All right, let's uh, let's go to some other prominent voices on the Toronto Maple Leafs on Matthews' uh, historic night of 60. Let's start with the captain, John Tavares. Some of the chance to talk about MVP. And, um, you know, there's a lot of players having great years this year, uh, a lot of goals being scored. But uh, I know I'm being biased, but to, to me it's not close. He, he's just the way he goes about it, the way he does it, uh, the consistency. Uh, some of the things he's done is uh, it continues uh, – you know, you continue to shake your head at times. Uh, just, just, just his ability to just stay with it and just play his game and stay focused on, uh, on what he does and not everything that going around him or that it's going really good. I think he just uh, wants to be a difference maker, game in and game out. So, um, yeah, it's uh, very fitting the the way that uh, uh, you know things were able to uh, come together tonight and and what we clinched as a team. That he is a difference maker, and yeah, the most dangerous player. Do you think Tavares is sick of answering questions about him? Like, do you think Tavares wants some shine for himself and all uh, this? I think in a perfect wo- world, he'd love that, but it ain't coming. <laughs> it's not. No. no. And I think he's smart enough to understand where his yeah. place is right now. John's biggest challenge. Don't say skating. No. <laughs> is making sure that the the drop-off between 
Austin's shift yeah. and his coming up isn't a very wide margin. Presumably, Austin and Mitch are going to face the best defense that they have to offer in Tampa Bay. So John should get, you know, a easier matchup. Not that there's an easy one out there exactly with Tampa Bay, but in theory, you'd like to see that line. So I think Nylander probably goes back to, with Tavares. Seeing that play they made together last night, the chance to get... Yeah, we haven't, I haven't seen that play in months, by the way. I know. I just saw it against... It barely happened all year. I, I saw it against a team that's, you know talking daily to their travel agent. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great point. I Listen, I don't like them together either. I spent a lot of time this season talking about how I don't love them together, but Mikheyev, Kempf, and Engvall is so effective. You know, Tavares and Nylander just feel like they're going to end up together with Kerfoot. That's just how it feels to me. I don't know. I, was, I, I did some of the lineup configurations going into that first round here. You know, looking at the fourth line, that puts Blackfoot or Blackwell, Simmons... Spezza as a fourth line. I don't know where you guys sit on that, but you know Clifford didn't set a black Blackwell. Yeah, I think Can't I think, remember his name today. Apparently, I was gonna say Blackfoot Blackwell. <laughs> same thing. Can I ask you about the part of that clip that I thought was interesting, saying that he's far and away the MVP, and me saying like the whole year being like it's a runaway, it's a runaway. But David is having a stupid year here, boys, and like I, I <laughs> Edmonton has done. A hell, Jay Woodcroft has done a hell of a job, for sure. Uh, and uh, Matt uh, McDavid has what uh, 30, 40, 40 points in twenty games. He's he's well over two points for a yeah. very long stretch here. He's got a, on average. He's got forty four goals and seventy eight and, and seventy eight assists. So I think you know keeping this these questions separate. If you give can give me one player for my team for the next ten years, I pro I, t- I probably take Connor. Connor's my guy. But I think Matthews has had a better season defensively. He's he's put up far better numbers in terms of shot suppression and takeaways, mm-hmm. and he's been more physical. To me, Matthews' all-around game puts him yeah. above McDavid so this year. They, they would, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd be like, you guys are absolutely nuts. Anyone who's saying anyone other than Connor McDavid is the MVP is absolutely nuts. That's what I would be saying about yeah. an Oilers fan. I'm not. I'm the opposite, in fact. Like 16 more points. He's played like eight more games. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just a... An emotional thing now with a Toronto Maple Leaf getting 60 goals. I, it's a. Lo- I think it's probably it, close it, to a lock at this point. Majority of the writers probably are Leaf fans. <laughs> voting. They, they do a, a breakdown by city. They they try not yeah. to make it one city heavy. But uh, my point is that this is a. There's definitely the most eyeballs. It's a one one for the ages for a Toronto Maple Leaf player. It's. I'll be shocked if they don't if they don't all vote for for Austin. That the nerds have Austin on this, I think pushes it over the top. You know that like the guys who do the more granular stats and stuff will say that this is one of the best seasons a single a player yeah. has had in a decade. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that'll push it over the top for people. Yeah, it's a narrative. Like we've talked about this before. I when I was making the case, well, that's like, statistical, and, not like, narrative. Well, Le- I know, but do they? LeBron, LeBron is the MVP every year in the in the NBA has the best numbers. He, he drags teams. But he doesn't win it every year because there's teams that have better years and guys that have there's teams and I it's just it's a anyways. What's the uh what's the split on the voters uh in the east time zone compared to the west time zone? Oh yeah. Right? I'm gonna say three out of every four voters is west of Winnipeg 70, or east of Winnipeg. Seventy five percent go to bed probably yeah. after the first game. For sure. There's no 
doubt the West Coast gets screwed. Yeah. yeah. I've been snoring through 80% of McDavid's games. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. And you're like, what, 29 years old? No, I'm older than that. Uh, I go to bed early. How about us? Yeah. All right. Well, we got Gord, I think. We got Gord coming up. We want to go uh, Keith. Let's go Keith on uh, Matthews getting 60, and then we'll go to Gord. Sounds good. I, I threw Derek under the bus there. We're getting it here in a second. <laughs> All right. No problem. I guess you, all you can say is just that it's it's special. It's unique. It's rare. Um, I'm just really happy for him. You know, he's uh, he works extremely hard. We know the abilities that he has, but but he, he works extremely hard at his game. He works extremely hard off the ice. He, um, he takes his craft very seriously. So to see him at the top of his game and to reaching these milestones, uh, it's outstanding. So I'm really happy for him. I could tell he was really happy. And I just loved how our fans took care of him tonight, too. The fans were outstanding in recognition of, of his accomplishments. Uh, so it was a good night. What he's saying is I'm really happy for me because I really, really need him. Yeah, I need him happy. He seems happy. We're happy. Very. Good things. And here's a guy that we really, really need on the real Kipper and Bourne show. Stellectricity, Gord Stellick. So, Gordo, welcome to the show. Kippy, I'm just doing, I just did my hydro bill, gas bill, and uh, all the garbage stuff. There you go. Pretty apropos. But <laughs> you get all that for free, right? Because you're, you're Stellectricity. Um, I'd, I'd like to think so. Apparently not. Apparently not, Kippy. Regular taxpayer, bill payer. Okay, so you're somewhat of a of a Leaf historian. Where do you rank last night amongst all the great moments in Leaf history? And, of course, we have to include Sittler's 10-point night. Uh, where does this rank? As good as I've seen, Kippy. You know, as, I mean, Daryl, I was fortunate to be there for Sittler's 10-point night. It, it just kind of evolved that night, you know, where uh, and and there were extenuating circumstances about Dave Reese's situation. That's take nothing away from Daryl. Um, you know, just the the run the, the run in '93 was the so we talk about some team things. There were wonderful things that Doug Gilmore did back in 1993. There wasn't a specific milestone that he hit. I was there for all three of Rick Vives' 50 goal seasons. I'm really glad that Ricky's been getting some some props for what he did. There there was a there was a buzz and an aura and excitement when he did that, particularly the first time. Uh, just uh, but but you know. As far as anything, I mean, way back when Terry Sawchuk got his 100th shutout as a Maple Leaf, he was the first to get 100 shutouts in the NHL. That was kind of cool. Like, like, I really vaguely remember it as a kid. But, you know, Kippy and, and Justin and Sam, like, uh, uh, that was just great last night. To, to, you know, to, and before to go for 50 when the fans waited till the end and the fans being pumped. And when John Tavares scored, you said, damn, does this mean they're not going to pull the goaltender and give Austin a chance to score on an empty netter? And then he scores that goal. He scores like a highlight real goal for his 60th. So that one will be a great, great uh, audio, video that'll uh, that run for ages. So what do you expect the Leafs to do now? Because there's nothing left to play for on Friday night. Obviously, they're playing the Bruins, a team that they may, may, may meet down the road. Who's in? Who's out? What do you expect them to do with resting, guys? 
Well, minor point last night, Jack Campbell, that's probably the easiest shutout he's got, but that's been, to me, the most important team thing that's gone on is whatever number of games Campbell has played, he's looked solid after being hurt and not playing so great. But, you know, Justin, I'm not a big fan of resting guys. Like, if, if you're banged up a bit, fine. But otherwise, you've only got, you know, one game over the week. And just, you know, the course of just, I'd, I'd go out and play and get ready and, you know, maybe you can roll four lines a little bit more. But, you know, so, I mean, John Tavares, it was a back to back game the Saturday and Sunday, but I, I'd almost, I mean, I'm the, I, I think I'm thinking the opposite of the way most people would. I, I'd almost put the lineup out. You want to be there for game one. We talked a little bit about Mitch Marner. I, I've said uh, this guy's got that, that engine that just doesn't quit. I, I wouldn't worry about him so much, but he also has a, a milestone. What we think is still within reach, uh, especially the way that uh, he's been scoring in the last uh, six, eight weeks. But what do you do if you're Sheldon Keep and uh, you want to maybe curtail some of those minutes Friday night? And he's he's giving you the hairy eyeball. Get me out there. Get me out there. I'd get him out there. I'd get him out there. Like you know, <laughs> uh, like uh, you know, with the way uh, Austin Austin Matthews was was being set up. Like you want that kid in house league. Like you know that once you get a hat trick, you can't score anymore, and you got to set up this one kid who hasn't got a hat trick. And that's what they're doing with Austin. I'd get him out there. That's you know, Mitch Marner's had a hell of a season. That's an incredible accomplishment. If he get a hundred points, that would be great. And I I, I think the team is as it would be as motivated to do that uh, as they are as they were with Austin last night. And let's let's. Give, let's give Mitch a chance. If he gets 98, 99, um, almost made it. If he's stuck at 97, whatever, it's a hell of a year. But one more crack at 100, and I think it's really important. So Justin Hall doesn't play last night. The Leafs decor is seven names deep, and maybe eight if Sandine. I know Sandine's not eligible on Friday, but will likely be eligible shortly after that. What do you expect the Leafs to do game one? They're going to play Tampa Bay. It's pretty physical. I th- you know, Personally, I think it might come down to Labushkin or Lilligren with Hall in. Well, who do you see in and who out? Hey, what a happy predicament. No longer right. Jake Muzzin gets injured. And, oh, my God, like against Columbus. And uh, uh, Leafs are done. They don't have depth on D. And uh, so I, I'm... I, I'm I'm taking that line about it that obviously and you've been part of the coaching staff, Justin, about breaking it down and they've got you know, they've got ideas of what they like and don't like. They don't really have defensemen that I don't like. You know, I, I, I had always I'd always liked Jake Gardner as a guy, but when he was in your top four, as you saw when he went to a better situation in Carolina or even a, a, a top two, you know, there the, the, it's a different animal now compared to those kind of days. So um I you know, I, I, if Jake Muzzin said, I said to you last time or two weeks ago that I don't expect anything out of Jake Muzzin. If he's healthy, it's a bonus, and he seems to be showing something. So, so that's a bonus. It's funny how Lilligren's kind of had a had a charge at the end of it to get in the coach's good book. So, uh, I, I would, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Hall's the odd man out, and then I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in game number two. And the big thing is, if you get two defensemen hurt, you're not screwed. You've got the depth you've never had before in recent years. It almost feels like yesterday we were talking about a Tampa Bay team that was running out of gas and what's wrong with them. And they overspent for a guy named uh, Hagel. And now we're looking at one of the best stretches of five games for guys like Stamkos and Kucherov we've seen throughout their history. Does that, does that make you nervous as a Leaf fan a little bit? No, 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 not well, like First, as a Leaf fan, the whole being nervous thing. And the other part is stop with the preordained excuses. 
Understand it's going to be a tough match against Tampa Bay. Understand it may not be the, quote, fairest of first-round draws, much like Minnesota and St. Louis. But again, you had it set up for Columbus and Montreal, so quit crying over spilt milk and go out and just just kick their butts. You've got home ice advantage, which you haven't had before with the crowd there. Uh, you, you know, they've had to, a few things like, you know, Goodrow Coleman and Yanni Gordon, all that, they've had to make some tinkering. They've lost a little bit in depth, depth even though other guys like Ross Colton that seemed to have filled the void, but they're a great team. They're the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, and uh, no one—I I don't think anyone could have taken them lightly. They were in a bit of a malaise, but the last week, like you say, Kippy, they've roared from the ashes to show what it takes. But you know, to get—and you won the cup, 16, 16 wins in that kind of environment and what you have to give. And, you know, it, it's a lot. And, and I, I'm not saying I question can they do it again. I, I, just, uh, I just say it's a lot to try to do it again. And why not make it our time in Toronto? Why not get four of 16 wins or four of eight wins or four of 12 wins or four of six wins against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions? Every time, you know, Chicago won three cups and spread out LA won two. But, you know, someone beats them the next year. Why, why not be Toronto? I, they're, they're, they're full measure the Tampa Bay Lightning, but so should the Toronto Maple Leafs be. Gord, who's feeling the pressure the most in Leafland? We had a little chat on this yesterday. You know, is it Matthews and Marner? Is it the front office? Is it you know, Shanahan? Is it is Sheldon Keith have it? The goaltender? Where do you go? Who's feeling the most pressure going into this first round? Great question. You know, uh, because Thanks. first of all, the pressure, um, if you're... Kyle Dubas is would be coming from Brendan Shanahan, and I have no idea if they're. If, I believe their relationship's really still really strong. Pressure if you're the coach would be coming from Kyle Dubas. You know, it's so so whether you win or lose, the most important thing, as you saw in Vegas with uh, Gerard Gallant and in, in, in New York Rangers with what went on with JD and Jeff Gordon. You know, hey hey, if someone's ticked, even if you get the numbers, you you're out of a job. I I, I think. Pressure-wise, to me, it still comes back to the big guns. It comes back to the big guns, and it comes to Jack Campbell and goal. And uh, and really, every team, you you know, every team in the playoffs, uh, you you want depth in that. But really, when you win it, you get at, you get solid goaltending, and your big guns come up big. So I and so the ones that have year in year out uh, shared this disappointment, I think, feel the pressure. We're with Gord Stellick, former Leaf general manager and New York Ranger assistant GM, also host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 and Sportsnet. Uh, when we talk about the pressure and, and what the players may feel, or even Kyle, ultimately, Gord, you, you know this market uh, better than anybody or as, as much as anyone out there. Where does it really ultimately lie in? Uh, the, the fan base or the media? Who will dictate what kind of vibe or temperature is uh, throughout this series? Or if, in fact the Leafs lose, like, do you need to find out where, where the heat truly is coming from? If you're even contemplating changes, uh, if you're unsuccessful? Well, I mean, there really is no, the, the media thing is so different now. There's really no media pressure at all. There's zoom calls and it's just really, really different. You don't have a uh, biting. Oh, you're, you're telling me that the media couldn't call for heads like they have in the past. 
I think the media were just pissed how terrible they played the last two years in the playoffs. You know, it was unacceptable. You know, it, it just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not a tough place to play. There's a lot of pressure. You get recognized all the time. But you get your butt kissed. If they win one series, it'll be like they won the Stanley Cup. So to, but to, to answer your question, it'll come from the fans because the fans aren't stupid. And the last two years was flat out unacceptable in the playoffs. So, you know, don't do it again that you have a pot. Well, two years ago, the regular season wasn't all that great. But last year, this year, don't ruin another regular season by a by a, a, a lame, uh, pl- an uninspiring playoff performance. Like, if it's hard-pressed and, and down to the wire and that first year when they played Washington was a tough six games or a go seven, that'll be more palatable for the fans to accept that kind of series than going out with a whimper rather than a bang. So it'll come from the fans, and ultimately it's up to ownership and management to decide what they do or don't do. Gordo, all, of all the reasons the Leafs blew it in the past couple of years, and it's fine to say they blew it, uh, I think the one that gets glossed over the most is Jake Muzzin not being there, right? He had two injuries, both times non-contact injuries. Uh, something just gave out on him. They need this guy. They're a different team when he's in. What did you make of his performance last night, his first attempt to come back to hockey, and, and what do you expect from him? Okay, first, no Jake Muzzin or anybody excuses this year. Injuries are part None. of the game. All right. You know, I'm not, sorry, I'm not, I, I sound like I'm admonishing you. Sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, it's apologize. good. I like yeah. it. Bring the yeah. heat. <laughs> uh, but I, I, again, I've been encouraged what I've seen of him, right? I mean, early on when you hear about having two concussions this season or whatever he may have had, I had worries about it, but I, 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 I agree. But I agree with you. He's an important part. He brought a neat, like when they made that trade, he brought something, he brought an ingredient they didn't have. And it's been a really important ingredient, you know, and then to, to add TJ Brody and, you know, other things like that and, and have Morgan Riley back to mean, you know, more the Morgan Riley, like he, whatever it was three years ago, whatever the, was the vintage kind of year. There's so, there's so many positives. So what I like, cause you earlier talked about all the, and who's going to sit out so the the sum is either greater than the parts or, or certainly equal to the parts and the parts are really the parts are the best they've been in this mod in this modern era in, in this recent era so uh if if he's healthy that 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 is a huge play but uh, but if he's plus. not if he's not is it is it deep enough it, it, can you yeah. envision success if muzzin's at 60 percent or they decide to take him out of the lineup can sandine come in and can this team still be successful. Well, let's we'll find out. You know, I mean, you, you think about Mark Fraser who got hurt all those years ago, how well he played that particular year. And, you know, that he wasn't like a, a core four guy at the start of the year. So that's the way Sandine's played at parts and Lilligan's played at parts. And also, you knew about Muzzin's situation. And to their credit, they added two Ds in, in Giordano and Labushkin that part of it was, you know, any kind of worry about. And so, so yeah, yeah. And, and again, I go back to injuries being part of the game. Like, I mean, already with the Blue Jays, they're having a phenomenal season but stop making excuses about injuries like let you know whatever whatever and and uh and and just go, i mean steven stamkos didn't play for tampa bay till the final you know final game that that one time they won the stanley cup so anyway i'm i'm i'm, I'm a little bit off on that one because I, i'm tired of that excuse but uh, i'm bi- i'm bullish on jake muzzin especially if he's if he's healthy my one thought going into game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning are they're going to try to push the Leafs around. That's the Leafs' reputation. They're soft. You can push them around, yada, yada. I'm wondering if in game one they wouldn't think address, addressing a heavier lineup, go with Simmons, go with Clifford, go with Labushkin. Is there any merit to that, or do they just got to dress their best players? 
You know, and and this is where I'm, I'm interested. In what Kippy says, because I, I I mean, look at that Nashville Calgary game last night. The sense of they're going to play each other, and you know, a guy like Lucic, who's a guy that you know plays on your top three lines. What just, a truck! Can yeah, the Leafs and, get him? But it, well, and and Kachuk, they right? Who you're, who, you're, who, who you're not going to get, or maybe you can get for a zillion dollars uh, the year after this. But uh, so. Like, how much of that do you have in the lineup without dressing Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons? You know, do you, do you have enough of that you, you, to stand up to tap? Well, Kippy, what do you think? Yeah, you need it on the bench. I really believe that you need it on the bench. At the end of the day, is is Simmons and Clifford at six or seven minutes going to factor in? Maybe, possibly, in game six or game seven. And is it is it Maroon? Are these guys going to be huge factors in this series like when it's all said and done i mean i i think it's important that they're on the bench and let's face it that that whole thing really explained a big picture when maroon was calling out the leafs soft that is their perception coming in we're playing a very skilled talented soft team they're gonna come out and and take advantage of that or run them or do whatever they can and we'll see where the penalties lie we'll see how the officials call it can the Leafs take advantage if they get into penalty trouble so many uh so many questions here do you want to see him dress heavy the first game I I I think that they need at least two of them there Mm -hmm. I I think Clifford and Wayne Simmons are a lock in game one based on what we heard out of Maroon and the perception of Tampa and the lack of respect that they've shown the Leafs. Colin yeah, Blackwell you know, and, taking and, stats. Go ahead, Gordo. Sorry. And so, Justin, I, you, you're talking before about um, Engvall and McKayev. Man, have they ever, like, have they ever really, really brought their games to higher levels? McKayev's getting like, feisty. You know, yeah, and you're right. So so the kind of thing to to what Kippy's saying, so now you have three lines out there that are the kind of three lines that you want that could be feisty, have a little pizzazz, but also some skill. So then more so, you could, you, you're you not looking at a fourth line that's saying, uh, oh, my God, and maybe I need a Nick Robertson to plunk in a line to get some offense and move up and down. You you can dress those guys for those specific roles. And and like Kippy said, it's it's like, you know, just when someone starts chirping and do that thing and, 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 and that, you know, that's that word soft – which which the Leafs shudder about and feel is an un, unfair criticism, but uh, but it's they feel it's skill, it's right? Out they feel that, it's and, out there. Well, no question, and and it's because they have not had that playoff success. It wasn't because they were soft, or was it because they just couldn't get the jam or the intensity or the skill or whatever it may be to play their best hockey when when they should? We'll find out, and that and that could bear that could that could bury any illusions of that line in a big, when you start having playoff success, however you wear playoff round, when you, that's not soft. Like if you got a skilled team, the way the Blackhawks would win it and chasing Patrick Kane around, that's exhausting. That's exhausting. That that's hard hockey, right? Compared to the Cal, the LA Kings playing big hockey, you know, years ago, that kind of California style, what seven, eight, nine years ago. So that's the kind of thing. And, and to get that soft thing gone, you have to have playoff success. The Leafs have one more on Friday night against uh, the Boston Bruins. Hey, uh, you're in for a big run uh, during these uh, Stanley Cup finals or playoffs as well. What are, you, what are you doing to prepare for the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like this weekend, would you like order a Dante's Fiesta and a Diet Coke? Or 
Like, what, what do you do? Well, I'm sipping the Diet Coke right now. I mean, hey, I'm not that far. I saw you and Sam McKee taking on Don Valley Golf Course. So, oh, my goodness. I don't know if you set a course record when you're there. But I'm, I'm, I'm actually going uh, I'm golfing on Friday to a, a public course establishment. And nice. just, got, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in playoff form, Kippy. I'm going to be in playoff form, whether it's the Dante's Fiesta uh, f- that we didn't know was served three people when I ordered it for myself many years ago. Um, but <laughs> When are you golfing? When are you going? Uh, Friday. Nice. Friday. All right. Yeah. Well, make sure the best two balls you hit all day aren't when you step on the rake, eh? <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry, Kippy. Uh, there's a very – hey, if if I was officiating the playoffs, uh, it'd be no problem. It'd be a, it'd be a walk. It'd, it'd be like that NBA referee, Tim Donaghy. So, anyway, I'm uh, uh, I'm, I'm all good. Hopefully, hopefully it's – you know, let's get some playoff weather, too. Like, that's when you – hockey playoffs and basketball playoffs, generally, it's kind of nice weather. That's what I remembered in my school days. On that. So, let's get a little bit of that. It's supposed to be zero tomorrow. Don't worry, Today's. bud. <laughs> Sucks. Oh. Okay, sucks well, there you right go. Now. <laughs> All right. that's, why I, that's why I don't do weather. Yeah. He is the host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 in Sportsnet and our favorite, Gord Stellick. Thanks, pal. See you, guys. Thanks, Gordo. What kind of players, Gord? Anyone play golf with him here? He's, he's going to be ready to run to a brick wall. Oh, yeah, you're fired <laughs> up. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go Leafs. fired up. Yeah. He is fired up. Uh, you've got an article, right, on Sportsnet on about, uh, what, five or ten things that... Uh, ten. Yeah, ten, ten. leaves thoughts. It's all this stuff that we're talking about, yeah. more or less. No, you're getting it here. <laughs> what, my, the guy on the top of my list that should not play Friday? Yeah. Mark Giordano. Ooh. Oh, okay, mine's Jack Campbell. Do we have time Is for it? this? Yeah. G- give me a Geo. Why Geo? Old, general it's, oldness? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a throwaway game. Yeah. And I'm going to have to ask this guy to play 20-plus minutes every other night. He's suddenly he's become really 40. important, hasn't he? That's, really important. Yeah. Muzzin, questionable Muzzin, makes him even that more important. Yeah. Don't play him Friday. I don't care what he thinks about uh, uh, starting up engines. Agreed. Totally agree. Um, Campbell, for me, what's the point? Guy just got a shutout. He's feeling good. Uh, you just, you need him. It's going to be in playoffs. It's every other night. You don't expect Shalgren to get a start. Okay. Can, Campbell can, the night off. Can I, we, uh, I know we're going to go to break, but can we play Jack Campbell on whether or not he wants to start Friday? Sure. Yeah, I just go in when coach puts me in and feel really good right now, just like the team does. And, uh, you know, like I said, whenever I get the nod, I'm ready to go. Does that sound like a guy that's going to give Sheldon any feedback on on whether he wants to play or not. Jack, do you want to play? Well, up to you. I'm ready. Uh, uh, if you want me to, I'll like, play or I won't play. I don't care. All right. So then, Sheldon, make a call. Yeah, he'll say he'll say you're not playing. Congrats to Eric Schalgren, who somehow got like a dozen starts this year. What a year for that kid. I mean, life-changing, I'm sure. Take away that start against Tampa. And... Yeah. I mean, he's got us thinking some things for next year, for sure. And where's uh, uh, he wants where's, to break. Where's, where's Peter Morazic in Shelgren's backyard right now or what? Where is he? He's with Detroit in Barbados. Okay. That's where he is. There he is. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Hall of Famer Adam Oates Ooh. talking Austin Matthews. You're listening and watching Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kipperio's Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and Bourne. Any chance uh, we see some names unfamiliar? 
in the lineup Friday, you think? Marley's. I just, I don't know if they can call up, like there's like four emergency call-ups after the trade deadline. I'm not sure what they're able to do, but yeah, I expect them to fit in a whole bunch of names we're not familiar with. Let's go to our next guest who would definitely know what it's like to have a a 60-goal scorer beside him. He's done it on a couple occasions. Let's bring in Adam Oates to talk a little Austin Matthews and the experience of uh, playing with pure goal scorers. Now, Thanks for, for joining us, Adam. Um, first of all, with your type of game, you're such a natural passer. You, nothing, everything would remain the same. But what we've seen against uh, with the Leafs the last few games is maybe pushing the flow a little bit more uh, towards getting Austin 60. Uh, first of all, give us your thoughts overall about about Austin and, and the play around him the last few games. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, you know what? Let's let's put it in perspective a little bit. Like sixty goals is ridiculous. It's fantastic, and I got the opportunity to play with a couple of guys that are were clearly natural goal scorers, and our skill sets complemented each other. And it's funny because Brendan Shanahan's part of the Leafs, who's a fantastic goal scorer. And I remember talking to Shanny that the one thing goal scorers don't get enough credit is how smart they are. They know how to shoot a puck, and clearly Austin knows how to shoot a puck. It's fantastic. But it's their IQ. Because one of the things a goal scorer has to do is time it with the guy that's going to pass to him. And it's funny, if you look at his first goal last night, he had to time that pass coming out from behind the net. And that takes IQ because it takes a chemistry that takes understanding when to be ready to shoot and when to find that window to be open. And that's the one thing that they don't ever get enough credit for. We always think about them shooting, which obviously, yeah, they do, do have a great shot. I get to play with Brett Hall. He had a fantastic shot. But it was his IQ that, to me, separated him from others. And is that something that you can teach? And I know, you know, that's something you do in hockey is, is help a lot of players with the offensive side of the game. Can you educate a player on how to arrive somewhere at a better time? Yeah, I believe that for sure. Um, and obviously a guy like Austin has an innate ability to do that. He's developed, mm-hmm. developed it himself. But do I think that you can grow your skills? Of course I do. Uh, Adam, when it comes to uh, playing the game, the focus is speed, 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 speed. But uh, like you said, it's a, it's a timing thing, right? I mean, there's, there's, really good op- there's really good times when you need to slow the game down. And that's what I guess good goal scorers can also do. Yeah, and, and you know what? For sure, like the heat, like he knows when to time that window of opportunity. He knows fast he has to go to enter the zone. He knows how to slow himself down as a left-handed player to be ready for a pass out of this corner or that corner. He knows he's got to time Mitch Marner, Tavares, Nylander. Uh, obviously, on the power play, the rules are a little different. Uh, they got the best power play in the league. What a coincidence. Um, and, and these are all the things that go along with the IQ that make guys special players. So how much would a team be aware of a milestone? Kipper and I were talking a little bit about the team seeming to look for Austin a little bit more on the power play where he eventually got it done. Is this something, you know, when you were with teammates that are chasing these big round milestones that you're aware of and thinking you're trying to get them to puck, or does it just kind of happen more naturally? Probably a little bit of both. Like, you know, you go out for a hockey game, it's still you're trying to win a game, you're trying to, do a good job, protect yourself and, and all the rest. 
but at the same sense, you're still also looking over the over your shoulder for something. Um, you know, I had a chance to play with Brett Hull when he was going for 50 in 50. And he got it in Detroit. And I remember, I don't think I touched the puck without knowing where he was the whole game. So, yeah, you're trying to. You're trying to do both at the same time, for sure. And, and you're a natural passer. What about the guys that weren't feeling more pressure? Was it abundantly clear when when Holly was out on the ice that he had that Matthews mentality last night? I don't know if you heard his interview, but it's like, boys, I'm shooting tonight. <laughs> I would say, well, don't you shoot every night? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But, yeah, uh, yeah like at, at the end of the day, if – you know, Kipper, it's the same rules as always, right? It's the same rules as the empty net rule. Like, like at the end of the day, hey, Austin's on the ice. What are you doing shooting the puck? <laughs> right? Like, let's get him the puck. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, sorry, bro. And, you know, it's like, so, of course, that goes on. That's the game within the game. That's the fun part. That's That's what we all miss, right? So looking at the Leafs as a team, how do you think they shape up heading into the playoffs? You know, they've had some disappointments here in Toronto. Tensions are high. This is a, a tough matchup, likely going to face Tampa Bay here. What are your thoughts on where the Leafs are at? Uh, you know what? I I watch a lot of hockey, and I can't say that I watch so specifically to watch how the team is, but obviously you're going to play Tampa. They know how to score goals as well as Toronto does. Two good power plays. Um, so I would imagine some of the messages before the series is let's not give them four or five power plays a game. Uh, let's try and play sound defensively. We're going to score lots of goals. They do know how to score. They got to keep it out of their net. And then however the coaches plan to do that would be part of the strategy. Adam, when, when it comes to now Austin transitioning a great historic uh, goal scoring regular season into the playoffs, did you notice when you were playing with the likes of, of a Stevie Iserman or a Brett Hall, uh, just the feeling of, of the pressure that they would put upon themselves going into the playoffs. And, you know, sometimes can it go against you? Is there things that you could do as a teammate alignment to alleviate some of the pressure or did it seem seamless with these guys from the regular season to the playoffs? You know, great question, Kipper. And, and, and the answer is everything. Everybody's personality is different, right? Like, I, you know, I, once again, I play with Brett, and Brett is such a happy-go-lucky guy. He wasn't worried about it. Where I was, I was a more uh, analytical type guy. I wanted to have a good playoff. So sort of like what, what mattered to me was trying to get something first game so that you got rid of the zeros because they're back to zeros again, right? So I wanted to get rid of the goose eggs where – Holly never thought about it because he was so confident in himself and that type of personality. And all of a sudden, first shift for a game, first game he scores. Next thing you know, we're off and running again. But it is sort of important for the guys to get off, right? Like you want to get your production. You want to prove that you're uh, earning your money and nothing's a fluke. So, you know, like the first couple games, it matters. You know, you want to get going. Hey, where do you stand on... I, I guess talent versus physicality, and maybe that's not phrased properly, but the Leafs have a D-man in Timothy Lilligren who's pretty skilled and skates it well. They have a guy in Labushkin who's less skilled, but he plays physical hockey. Uh, I think in general the game is moving more towards speed and skill, but the Leafs are kind of deciding which guy to go with. Do you lean in a particular direction going into playoffs that physicality still matters, or do you always lean towards the more talented player? Well, once again, that's a pretty tough question. Um, the answer is, 
you, there's always physicality. There always is. Yeah. Some guys, just because you're big or small, doesn't you still handle physicality a certain way? You have to be able to handle it. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge part of our game, and sometimes in the playoffs, depending on the series, you can get a little bit more violent. So you have to be able to do it. You know, small guys. There's lots of small guys in this league that still can handle physicality. So to me, it's more the skill within being able to do that. Like, like you could be a physical defenseman, but and you can run around and hit a few guys. But if you don't clear the puck and the other team scores that physicality is wasted. So it's, it, to me, it's a combination of everything. Adam, do, do you anticipate uh, less power plays historically? That's always been the case here. But, uh, you know, when we talk about specialty teams, this is where the Leafs' bread and butter has to be. Uh, they've been very dangerous, shorthanded, as we know, leading the league in shorthanded goals. The power play to me is somewhat not as sharp coming down the stretch here. How much emphasis would you put back on a power play going into game one, knowing that opportunities may be limited? My, my feeling has always been, Kipper, that special teams don't necessarily win you a cup, but I think they're important to contributing to it. Because if you think about it, you're penalty killing. Well, if you have a good PK, that means your goalie has made some saves and he feels good about himself. The guys that are killers feel good about themselves. Uh, if you have a good power play, that means every goal, three guys are getting a point. So your top dogs are getting production. So generally that means that, you know, 15 of your 20 guys are executing what they're getting paid for. So special teams go a long way in making guys feel good about their game. So I, I think it's very important. And, you know, you're playing another team that uh, I can't say I know what Tampa's PK is, but I know the power play is very good. So both teams have high-powered offenses. So we got to be really careful how how many power plays we give them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was interested by a comment you made there before about how there's always physicality and how players deal with it. How do players that are smaller, and I'm thinking about, like, I can't remember Mitch Marner getting hit this season. You know, Patrick Kane almost never gets hit. How, how do these smaller players survive in a world where there is contact regardless of whether you play for it or not? Well, you just named two guys that are elite skilled players. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, hey, listen, that's, that's a very important point. And that's something that if you're, you know, if you have a high IQ of the game, you're, you're not avoiding contact. You just know where it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you, know how, you know how to go into a pile. You know how to protect yourself. You know how to, and it's funny. You look at um, uh, Steven Stamkos, 100 points last night. His 100 points. He won a battle in the corner on a D, and he won it correctly and got position and fed Kucherov. And that's what a guy like Mitch Marner does in his sleep, Kaner does in his sleep. All, all the small guys that are in the game do that very well, or they wouldn't have reached this plateau. Adam, you, of course, are the president of your uh, Oats Sports Group, and, and you work with players individually. And if... I could use the term dress rehearsal for a regular season. This is when uh, Broadway starts for many of these guys. What's it like for you working with uh, individuals throughout the playoffs here? What is the main focus to, to, to pick out new things moving forward or reminders of what they were able to learn out of you or the experience of working with you over 82 games? You know what? Uh, great, great question, Kipper. I would say it's more at this time of year reminders. You know, you're you're trying to play the team system, 
uh, win a hockey game. You're playing the same team seven times. What are the what are the habits? What are the habits you see? What's going on? Are you doing well? You know, whether it's winning a face-off or what we just talked about, winning a battle, net front traffic, whatever the task at hand is, are you sharp? And, you know, that's that's sort of like when a team's made the playoffs two weeks ago, you know, they're 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 trying to give some guys a game here and there to get some experience. They're trying to not get hurt. They're trying to prepare and peak for the playoffs. So the coaches are doing the same thing for the guys, and I'm just trying to help my guys any way I can to stay sharp. So things have changed a little bit uh, in terms of offensive output over this past season. Um, eight guys in the league with 100 points so far this season. Uh, goals per game are way up. What do you attribute to the increase in offense this year? I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of things. Um, uh, I would say that the game uh, guys are, I would say, a little bit more skilled. Obviously, in the last couple of months, I'm sure you've seen teams' defense have changed a little bit in terms of they're they're roving everywhere. It's like a five-man rover unit, and all the teams have incorporated that. Uh, I think. Uh, some of the special teams, you know, who, who, maybe some of the rules have tweaked a little bit, the cross-checking rule. Um, and you know what? It's one of those things where it's kind of been a one-year thing. I'm sort of like watching to see how it trends. Adam, is there is there a team out there that's really impressed you? I know we were just speaking earlier in the show about Tampa Bay going from a team that looked like they were completely out of gas to a, a team now you go, oh, boy, are they ready? Yeah, I would say there's a bunch of teams. Uh, the team I'm really interested in to watch is Calgary because, you know, like uh, the top line, like they're plus 60. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? Mm. Johnny, Johnny Goodwill's had an absolute fantastic year. Kachuk, Lindholm, the team's playing better. They got some big boys back there. Um, they've had a great season. Obviously, Edmonton's turned it on lately. Colorado's looked good. Florida, Tampa uh, has looked really good. So, I think we're, it's exciting to see who's going to be able to survive. Obviously, the first round is always a hard one and see how it goes. That's what's great about hockey. Are, are, are you okay with two top teams, 100 point? The Leafs have a historic season here and they got to face the Stanley Cup champions. Are you one of those that say, hey, listen, you got to beat all the great teams four times to win it anyways? So it doesn't really matter round one or round three. Yeah, I, I'm one of those guys. You know, it, it, uh, it it's just part of the deal, right? You know, your matchup is your matchup. you got to beat anybody, right? That is 100% true. Listen, we really appreciate your time, and we want to have you back on uh, uh, in round one. So uh, hopefully you, you, you got enough time for us, pal. Okay, anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Adam Oates, Hall Thanks, of Famer. Man. And one of the best passers in NHL history. Yeah, that's a unique club. Guys like him are in the all-time dishers. It's tough to know where the great great scorers uh, start and the great passers begin. Wait, end. You know, they they all seem to go together. So you brought Curry up that, and Gretzky. You brought up that thing, Matthew Smart. You brought up that thing with Oates at the end there about the uh, about the matchup and. Luke Fox had a great tweet today about the matchups with point percentage. Would you like me to read it off? Sure. So the NHL playoff matchups today, uh, but with overall points percentage seeding in the brackets. So Florida Panthers have the best points percentage of their first versus Washington, who's 11th. Carolina versus Boston. Carolina 3, Boston 10. Toronto 4, Tampa 7. Top downs. New York Rangers 8, Pittsburgh 13.
So that's the Eastern Conference. I could go through the West, which is much more two versus 16, five versus 15, six versus nine, 12 versus 14, Edmonton, LA Kings. 12 versus 14. So eh? that's, I mean, that is a bit of an outlier, but yeah. the, Leafs are Four, an out- seven. the Leafs are an outlier the other way. They, like, they are getting screwed here. <laughs> They're getting screwed. I'll say it. Like, I know this makes me sound like a big homer, but they're or ta- absolutely or getting ta- screwed. Tampa's getting screwed if they lose. Sure. Yeah, I'll hear that. I'll yeah, definitely Tampa, hear that. Tampa's <laughs> getting screwed, too. I'm actually trying to pump up Sammy here, Super Leaf fan. You know what, though? I'm, I'm totally on Sam's page with one thing is, you know, everyone says, ah, oh, you got to beat four good teams anyway. It doesn't matter. Get out of here. Of course it matters. With all due yeah. respect to, to Mr. Oates. Think it matters. It, think it matters to the owner? Yeah. If we draw, like, you're Edmonton, you get to play the 14th seed? We're talking about maybe $3 million plus a night for MLSE. Right. Huge money. You think money. they care if it's Yeah. And you know what happens in the rounds? other first rounds? People get hurt. People get hurt, and you can get a softer opponent. If you can have one round where you're supposed to get through, again, Edmonton and L.A. comes to mind as the outlier there. If you can get that while other teams beat each other up for seven games, you know, let's say Vegas gets in and they got to play Colorado seven times or, you know, Nashville, Calgary, these guys come out the other side of their wars just bruised and bleeding. At least you'd like to play those teams when they're potentially missing some guys. I don't want to play the best teams first. Yeah, the first round of the playoffs is always the most intense. It like, is. honestly, Everyone's like, at their full capacity. Like the, obviously, the games get bigger as you go further down the line. But the games get well. You know, you're shot out of a cannon. First that's, of all, that's what right? I mean. Think oh, back. Think pace. back to think back to what's that? Five minutes. Like I always joke about us watching that first Tampa, uh, Florida game last year after watching Leafs Habs, no fans in the building, and then you go to the Tampa versus the Cats, and it's like, oh my god, the people are slamming each other into the boards. The fans are going nuts. Yeah. Like the first round is a war and always. I. I that, that's where you hope the Leafs will be ready because you know Tampa's going to come at you. And I think you mentioned it earlier. One of you guys mentioned Mikheyev all of a sudden. Yeah, been a scrap. Right? He was at, uh, who was Adam the other day? Oh, uh, Gagne was Adam. Like, we, we didn't see that. Like, for me personally, yeah. if I was working behind the bench, I would have had Mikheyev in October eating nails. I would have oh, had yeah? him feeling and playing like last night. Yeah. Gagne should have been like the 200th guy that he slammed his head into the boards. Yeah. I that that if that guy shows up, if he's the one that can even challenge to a fight and I'm not mm. suggesting that that's what you want out of him. No. But the opponent has to feel like you have that capability that now. Right. Okay. Mikhaev, not only is he taking that speed to the net to another level, but there is a physicality in the last two weeks that we've seen that we haven't seen all season long. Yeah. I just hope. I think you just found out he's 6'4". Yes. <laughs> and I hope it's not too late. Yeah. So he could bring it. I don't know if he's going to bring it every other night, but if he can bring it two or three times in a series, it may be enough for the, the to help the Leafs advance. Yeah, but I just don't know if he had enough practice during the regular season to now do it for two months. He did get months. to watch Bunting do it all year. He can implant the Bunting Bunting's chip into him. I know. That's the thing. Implant light. the Bunting chip Bunting's into Bunting's on McKay's. his ass drawing penalties. Yeah. That's his game. But if, if McKayev would play like Bunting, minus the being on the ice part. Correct. That would be Correct. really nice. But that's... That's what we're going to see in the first five minutes.
guys just running each other, sending mm. messages, and who's got the ability to withstand it and carry it out. So it pays off in game five, six, and seven. You and I were looking at some hits per 60, some you know hits per game stats before we came on air. I'd like to know how many hits occur in the first five minutes of game one of playoffs in general. Like the spike has to be through the roof. It's just bang, 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 bang out yeah. of the gates. And how are they going to call it? Yeah, great question. So much rides on that. So well, especially much. for the Leafs. Yeah. Who oh, will most often be the... The receivers, they're not initiating that contact. They yeah. want the puck. They want puck possession. Mm-hmm. They want to go into their cycles. They love their wide turns, as we saw Matthews on a power play or Nylander starting a, a cycle. That's their game. It's not running people through. L- last night, Detroit had the lowest offensive zone time. You know, we get those uh, sport logic things I've yeah. ever seen. They had the puck in the Ozone last night, 60-minute game, 2 minutes and 17 seconds. No. That, that's what they had, the actual possession at even strength. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, they played a non-opponent last night. Wow. Forgot to mention that earlier in the show. That's brilliant. And it, it was 25 minutes. You're like, is this going to end up one nothing? I know. Which I thought was actually a good sign for the Leafs. That they didn't it, just open it up. Well, for a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They just, uh, kept just that. Hey, you're going to play playoff games when it's zero, zero, uh, mid midpoint mid of the second period. Yeah. And be patient. Wait for your opportunity. Yep. For sure. Then Nadelkovich kept the minute and they didn't push that. That to me is where the breakdowns happened against both Columbus and Montreal was they had trouble scoring, right? They got the, the other goalie played r- really well. And all of a sudden, you saw them push and think offense and think offense. And the second they'd get thinking too far that way, odd man rush the other way, goal in the net. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, we've got Sean Reynolds, Sportsnet reporter based out of Winnipeg. He's going to put a bow on uh, their uh, disappointing season. And we'll get into maybe a little Calgary and Nashville and west. what to expect out west. All that uh, and more after the break. Hey, wherever you're listening or watching, uh, subscribe, give us a, a, a rating on our uh, podcast, and hit the like button for our boy Sammy. Please, Nick Kiprios, subscribe would be great. Justin Bourne.